And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozella, myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, one of the things that you kind of hear a lot in life is, you know, life's a journey, not a destination. I know a lot of people have quoted that. I know it's in an Aerosmith song, amazing, part of the lyrics. Uh, they talk about, you know, life is a highway and traveling the highway, you know. So you get these this saying out there in culture that, you know, you're driving the road of life, and in the end, dot, dot, dot. Some people say, in the end, if you have the most money or the most things, you win. In the end, if you have the love of your family, then you are the winner. If you do this, then you had a successful life. Uh, what's your legacy going to be? It's if you're well-remembered. It's how many people at your funeral. You know, So there's a lot of you're traveling down life's road, you're doing life's journey, and then at the end, dot, 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 and people fill in their own blanks. So, you know, one of the things that we like to talk about, obviously, is what happens at the end, end of life's journey, which we know can end at any time. You know, for someone like Betty White, it was 99 years old. Um, you know, the, the rock singer Meatloaf just passed away. He was 74. Uh, Louis Anderson, the comedian, just passed away. He was 68. You know, Bob Saget recently passed away. He's 65. And then you go down the list, and there's some people, you know, obviously during the pandemic, which unfortunately lost their lives much earlier and, you know, tragic accidents and vehicles and illness and stuff. So we never know when our time is. But at some point in time, we're all going to reach the end of the road and we're going to have that dot, dot, dot waiting for us. And for some people, it's going to be a good dot, dot, dot. For others, it might not be so good. And so I thought the comparisons in the Bible, you have the book of life. If your name's written in the book of life, you enter paradise, heaven. If it's not, you end up in the lake of fire with some serious and devastating results. I thought that may be something we can kind of touch on today is the, the road, the road to heaven, the road to hell. They always say, you know, the road is paved with good intentions. And then, you know, also the Bible talks about, you know, the narrow road versus the, the straight road and all that stuff. So just thought that might be something we could talk about today. What happens on the road of life? And when we get to the end, what's waiting for us? I think it's a terrific topic, Son. And it's obviously one that I felt led to write about here in this uh, recent op-ed that I wrote for the Christian Post. Uh, because, you know, in the book of Revelation, um, we are given some um, some very clear uh, information uh, about what what happens at the end of time regarding those things that you just mentioned. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, there is the book of life uh, that's, that's talked about in the Bible, and there is the lake of fire. Uh, it's not talked about a lot, but um, in Revelation 20, Son, we're told, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And that comes from Revelation 20, verses 10 through 12 and verse 15. But, um, you know, these, these are things, Son, that we would have no idea that, that such things exist if it wasn't for the fact that God loved us enough 
to not only send his only son to be our savior from sin so that we could go to heaven when we die and have a relationship with God, but so that we could know that there are these two options in eternity. There, there is heaven, there is hell. These are real places. Um, the book of life. I mean, how would any of us known about a, a book that has the names of those people uh, who are, <laughs> excuse me, who are going to, who are going to be in heaven? How would we know about that if it wasn't for God telling us? And how would we know about uh, the lake of fire? Um, these are some very extreme destinations. And of course, Son, we're not going to hear about it um, when we open the newspaper or turn on the television or go to the internet, unless we happen to be listening or reading um, something that has come from the Bible, because um, only the Bible uh, informs us of these places. And, and it is uh, so serious. It is so um, uh, just permanent. Uh, you know, um, those who go to hell will never leave. Those who go to heaven will never want to leave. So I'm really glad that you're tackling this topic, Son. It's, uh, um, it, we know as Christians, I mean, it's the most important thing we could address uh, just to help people know, how can I have my name in the book of life, you know, so that I can uh, come to live with God in heaven. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to our, our discussion today. And, uh you know, this is something that um, everyone should really pay very close attention to. A lot of people, regardless of what their religious beliefs might be, or any belief for that matter, believe in a heaven. They believe in something good when you die, whatever that might be. I know there's a few uh, religions out there that might think of reincarnation, you know, things like that. But for the most part, if you lead a good life, the end is going to be good. But a lot of people dismiss the fact. So, okay, we'll take that. But a lot of people dismiss the fact that there's going to be a hell or lake of fire or something that's not good for all eternity, you know, a judgment. Right. And I think that's the first obstacle that people have to really overcome if they really truly want to understand what the afterlife, afterlife is going to be like, you know. And if they, if they do just to say, accept the fact that there might be a hell or a lake of fire or something, you know, negative on the end of life. They think it's going to be like a party, going to hang out with my buddies, drink beer, see all my friends, you know, stuff like that. And they don't take it serious. And I think the first thing they have to do is realize that, you know, whether it is heaven or whether it is hell, we have to take that seriously and realize that at some point in time, we will all be standing at that moment where we are either in the book of life or not. And if we're not, the consequences are dire. And we have to at least acknowledge the fact that, you know, the other side, uh, the fact that the lake of fire is there is a reality before we can even move further, I think, to the the heaven side of it. Because if there's no negative consequence to sin or our actions, then what's the point in even, you know, going on, I guess? Yeah, you know, I think one big thing that that goes on, Son, with, with us human beings is that we tend to really underestimate just how far our sin has separated us from God. You know, we, we, we tend, I think, just humanly speaking, to kind of look at God the way we might look at, at another uh, human being, and we think, well, you know, um, if I just, you know, put forth my best effort, um, you know, God will know I'm trying. And, and, but what we, what we fail to see, though, 
it's like what it says in, in the book of James, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Um, God is a just God. God must punish sin. And a holy God cannot interact with sinful man. Um, there has to be a mediator that, that makes us acceptable to God. I mean, this is such a big part of the Bible. Um, and, and, you know, it's really sad, Son, when people dismiss the Old Testament. Um, for many, many reasons. But one of the most beautiful pictures of God's presence with his people uh, was laid out in the Old Testament tabernacle, that, that, that movable tent that the Israelites had for some 440 years in the Old Testament, um, for, you know, the 40 years in the wilderness. But then also when they came into the promised land, you know, before Solomon's temple was built, about a thousand years or so before Christ, um, it was the tabernacle where God's presence would be for his people. And so if you picture song like this, um, this courtyard there in, in the tabernacle that is about, um, about 50 yards long, okay, and, and then about, um, Oh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe 20, uh, 20 feet wide or so. Um, you, you picture this courtyard and then, you know, the, the priest would, would go in there. The people would go in there with their sacrifices, um, there, uh, at the altar, right when they entered through this curtain into the tabernacle. But, but then further back, uh, further back would be, um, the the uh, the holy place and and there was this area where you had the holy place and then behind even one more curtain the most holy place and and only the priest could go into the holy place um, and then once a year the high priest would go in behind the, that second curtain um, the most holy place and but only with blood and that would be on the day of atonement but all of that. Um, foreshadowed what Jesus would do as our great high priest when he obtained eternal redemption for us, when he went into the most holy place, not into a, a temple or a tabernacle made with the hands of men, but one that where he gave his own life, he gave his own body for us. And it's very significant, son, that people would just stop and think. Um, when Jesus died on the cross right there, um, before he died, uh, before he said his final words and committed his spirit to his father, um, the curtain in the temple, by that time, of course, it was the temple. No, the tabernacle was not uh, around anymore, but it was the temple. And, um, and, and really the second temple there, um, the, uh, the curtain in the temple was torn in two, not by man. This is a very thick curtain. It was torn in two by God. Um, so Christ's death on the cross is what is what separated and, and 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 brought together allowed us now to enter into the most holy place through faith in Jesus. You know, you no longer uh, have to wait and only one time a year come into God's presence the way the high priest did. Um, now, even though we are still just as sinful as they were in the Old Testament, um, now you. Uh, now you and I can, can approach God uh, directly. Um, we can go straight to the Father through the Son. 
And, um, and, and so it's a beautiful image there, the way that, uh, the way God really had them set up that tabernacle. I think I might have said maybe like 20 yards across, but I think the dimensions were 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. Um, that was the, the tabernacle, that was the courtyard that, that you could go into, but only the high, only the priests could go into the most holy place. And, and so today's song, anyone who is washed in the blood of Jesus now can approach our holy God because we're cleansed. Um, and so by doing that, God was teaching the people, you can't just come to God whenever you feel like it. Um, you, you can't just come in your own righteousness. And, and this is very important to understand, and it has direct correlations to um, the Book of Life and the Lake of Fire, because people say, well, those are so extreme. Well, it, it just so happens that the being who created you, my friend, is an extreme being. He is extremely powerful. He is extremely wise. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. I mean, take the devil, for example, who's a very powerful being. He can only be in one place at one time. God is omnipresent. And as I read a moment ago, the devil who deceived them is going to be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. So um, his rebellion in heaven didn't pay off for him. And people today, son, who reject Christ say, nah, I think I'll pass on having my name in the book of life. Well, then, um, such a person will stand before God without any protection between them and God. Um, and the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can, that can cover our sin and, and keep us from uh, from having to pay for our sins ourselves in hell. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big part, I think, of, of coming to understand and appreciate why heaven, why hell. And by the way, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels originally. Um, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And there are multiple verses in the Bible, Son, that show that hell, um, some people will be punished more severely in hell than others. Um, that's very clear in multiple passages of Scripture. Some people will be punished more severely than others. It's going to be horrible for everybody there, but some will be punished more severely. So God is a just God, but in his mercy, he offers a pardon for all who will come to Christ through the cross today. And so he's not giving us what we deserve as Christians. He's giving us, uh, in, in his mercy, in his grace, he's giving us what we don't deserve but what Jesus earned for us on the cross when our great high priest went into the most holy place, um, not man-made, but his own body, and he suffered and died on the cross for the sins of the world. So um, nothing, nothing compares with that, uh, that, that wonderful message, Son, and the eternal home that we have now in heaven because of that. You know, Dan, there's a couple things that um, I want to touch on and get your response to, and and um, see what you have to say about it. Because I've, in conversations with people in the past, a couple of things have always come up. One, you just mentioned the fact that the different levels of suffering for people. Okay. A lot of people, first off, if they accept, if they accept the concept of hell and punishment mm-hmm. and the lake of fire, okay, now they're accepting that that's bad news and it's going to not be a good place to go. But then mm-hmm. they have a hard time understanding the concept that if, uh, if, if hell is bad, mm-hmm. how can it get badder or you know worse? 
You know, they, they, they no. can't wrap their mind around it. So if somebody had a, you know, was a question, questioning that, what would be a good response, mm-hmm. I guess, to, to oh. give them so they can kind of understand that, you know, those different levels of suffering. And because, yeah. I mean, yeah. first, first, first of all, they shouldn't, they should, they're, they're, I mean, my, my, my response has always been, well, maybe you should concern yourself with the good side of getting into heaven and not worry about what kind of right. level of hell you're going to be in. Um, but for some reason they get yeah. their, they get their mind wrapped around this level of hellness and suffering. Yeah. What, yeah. what would be yeah, a response yeah. to that? Or how could we respond mm-hmm. to somebody in that situation? Well, I, I tell you, son, I think a couple of things. One thing I guess I would, I would share with the person who's wondering about that is, is that, you know, Jesus does talk about situations where it will be more bearable for some people on the day of judgment than for others, because of their rejecting of Christ because of their behavior. You know, um, the Bible talks about how terrible it will be who, uh, uh, for someone who causes one of the, the little ones, one of the children, you know, to, um, to, to stumble. I mean, I, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, if you think about a child abuser or someone who's leading children away from God, but as far as the different degrees of hell sign, I think all a person would have to do is this. You can watch television or put on the internet and you can see stories where people talk about, well, this is one of the worst prisons in the world. And maybe it's in South America, or maybe it's in some other part of the world. And you can hear stories um, about prisons that don't sound anything like um, the prisons in America. Um, they don't sound anything like um, the, uh, the minimum security prisons, or even the maximum security prisons in America. They are, they are far more terrible as far as their conditions, as far as um, just the, the rampant violence that, I mean, basically, I mean, you know, the inmates basically run the, run the jail. And I know it may seem like that what it happens and maybe sometimes in America, but I think when you hear these stories of how terrible some of these other prisons are, I would point to that to show son that there, there can be different degrees of punishment. Um, and, and again, the reason that, that God says there will be different degrees of punishment it's because some people will be more deserving of a more severe punishment. Now, that's obviously all in God's hands. Um, you know, thankfully, that's not anything that, that, that we are going to have any say in. Um, each person will stand before the Lord, and you'll, you'll essentially either be in a white robe of righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ. Um, you know, in Revelation, it says these uh, uh, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? Um, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the believer in Jesus' song has a white robe of righteousness covering his or her soul, and the righteousness is not our personal righteousness. It, it, it's not the good works that we're doing as Christians. It's not the works we did before we were Christians. The whiteness of the robe is the perfection of Christ. And that's why, that's why he died, because, because the only way to be accepted by God is to be perfectly holy in his sight, and the only way for that to happen is to have your sins forgiven, and the only thing that can forgive sin is the blood of Jesus, because there is no other perfect sacrifice. Um, you know, those, those animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, um, those could not wash away sins. I mean, they, they provided a, a ceremonial cleansing uh, for the Israelites. But, but the, the real cleansing was due to the blood of Jesus that would be shed later for them. You know, they trusted in the coming Messiah. Our faith is in the Messiah who has come. 
But um, I guess those would be a couple things I would say, Son, about the person who's wondering why the different degrees of punishment. Well, for the same reason that in our courtrooms today, Son, I mean, somebody might get probation uh, based on their crime, and somebody else might get the death penalty. Why? Why the different um, punishments? Why only probation? Why the death penalty? Now, many times I think we will disagree with what a judge decides to do. I think many times we'll feel like, boy, that just seems like a slap on the wrist. But if true justice were being handed out in every case, um, there would no doubt be uh, more serious forms of punishment than others. Does that kind of get at um, maybe what you're thinking or any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes sense as far as being able to share that. Again, um, it's not to focus on, but in conversations, you know, people, if they have a better understanding of some of these things, then it might help them clarify you know, the fact that you, you know, pointing them to heaven, you know, it's like a lot of things, a lot of people won't do things like you mentioned the penal system. A lot of people won't do things such, let's say even go yeah. with speeding because they're afraid of a consequence, a ticket, sure. uh, you know, yeah. so that's going to keep other people, you know, from doing greater things, I guess, unless you're in California, you get away with murder, but um, you can, you know, it's, you know, the, the consequences of doing something is going to keep people from doing it. And so, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was there's been conversation that I've had with people too that talk about eternity. And some people mm-hmm. think that in eternity, obviously eternity in heaven, everlasting life, but they, but they'll talk about eternity as far as hell, but they'll bring up the fact that no, you're not going to be alive forever, that somehow you're going to be consumed by this, you know, fire and brimstone and you will cease to exist and that ceasing to exist no memory no nothing like you were never there is what the ultimate punishment is and not the suffering and the tormenting what would you say to somebody that kind of has that view that you know when you go to hell you're just gonna like poof like you know and and be gone yeah well you know son there are many people today even in many churches many christian churches and i've talked to people uh, as well i mean uh, I, I'm thinking one person in particular uh, who um, who is a, a devout believer in Jesus um, and who I know uh, believes in this theory of annihilation where, like you say, poof, uh, you die. Maybe you go to hell to suffer a little bit. Maybe you don't go at all, but you, you certainly don't suffer punishment throughout eternity. I know that that's a popular view. Um I mean, if I was allowed to vote on it, I would vote for that. I mean, I mean, um, but but I'm not God, you know, and and uh, it's not me that that people have sinned against. It's not my laws that they've broken. So um, even though it certainly seems very extreme um, that someone would suffer punishment for eternity, um, is it any more extreme? Then the perfect son of God leaving the profession of heaven, coming here, taking on human flesh so that he could be abused, mistreated, um, flogged, um, and then crucified on the cross, hours of agony. Uh, I mean, so, so which of those t- two things seem, um, you know, uh, more extreme? I mean, they're both very, very extreme. So, all of these things are above our pay grade, and the only reason we can know any of them is because of the Bible. And it is impossible for God to lie. 
everything in the Bible is true. So the book of life and the lake of fire are just as real and literal as the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, uh, the ascension of Christ into heaven. The fact that he is going to come back one day out of the clouds, he'll come down and, and the trumpet will sound and there'll be thousands of angels with him. I mean, all these things are literal. So I, I can certainly sympathize, Sarah, with those who hold to an annihilation theory of hell. And I could even go so far as to say, man, that would, that would sure be a, a, you know, a much more pleasant thought for sure. Um, but I'm not God. And the Bible does not describe annihilation as being what's going to happen. It, it, it describes everlasting punishment. So with that being said, it makes it obviously all the more critical that a person um, repent. Because as it says in Acts 17.30, God commands all people everywhere to repent. Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. Um, and, and it's very clear that, as it says in John, that he who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, yeah, I, I, there'll be a lot of people, Son, I don't think that we'll maybe ever be able to convince to, to, um, to believe something different than the annihilation theory, um, but that's not really um, our goal at the end of the day. I mean, our goal is to spread the gospel. And just as heaven is everlasting joy, um, hell, according to Jesus and according to Scripture, is everlasting punishment. And yes, it's a very, very difficult. I, I, I believe, Son, that's the second most difficult teaching of the Bible. And I understand why people trip over it and have a, have a problem with it. It's a very difficult thing. The, 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 the toughest thing in the Bible, I believe, the toughest doctrine, is that a perfect holy God would send his only son, his innocent son, to suffer what he did on the cross for us with as far as we had fallen away from God. That's the toughest thing to say, how, why, how could that be? Why would God love us that much? So these are tough things. These are difficult things. These are challenging things. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, men and women, young people all around the world have come to trust Christ as their Savior. They've been made an inheritor of eternal life on the front end of their relationship with God. When they trusted Christ, they were saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven. Uh, just like Martin Luther, who was an Augustinian monk, and for years he could not find peace with God. He, he had a lot of self-inflicted punishment uh, to his body that he thought could somehow earn him God's favor and grace. Well, none of it worked. And then finally he read in Romans 1.17, The righteous or the just shall live by faith. The righteous or the just shall live by faith. And, and it set him free. He said, I felt like I was born again. <clears throat> and, and so all of his um, religious tradition, in his case, all of the Catholicism, you know, um, all the stuff that he had been taught, um, he, he set aside and he said, um, hey, I'm going to trust in Christ alone. I'm not going to trust in all these rules and rituals and traditions. Uh, I'm not going to put my religious organization above the gospel, because now we understood the gospel song. And when you understand and believe the gospel, it all of a sudden jumps into first place, far above whatever denomination you might be affiliated with, whatever religious organization you might be affiliated with, whatever religious teachers maybe 
or a blessing in your life. Now the gospel shoots way up there as number one, right there with God, because it's his gospel. It's his plan of salvation. History in the Bible is his story. And whether it was the tabernacle in the Old Testament or whether it was everything we have in the New Testament, it all points to Christ, the one Savior, the only way to be saved. And as extreme as it is, son, um, you've got to have your name in the book of life. Uh, and as it says in Revelation, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So everybody gets to decide um, what they're going to do with Jesus. Every time someone talks about, you know, the, the book of life standing before the you know, great, great white throne of judgment, I kind of think of it like a TSA line. You know, everybody's in line waiting to be checked out by, by security. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, next, next, next. Obviously, that's not the case, but that's kind of like what I, what I, what I get a sense uh, in my, you know, earthly mind of what it's right. going to be like. Um, right. But then there's a verse in Revelations when uh, John talks about, you know, seeing the dead, great and small, standing before the mm-hmm. throne, the books were yeah. open. You know, it's almost like a mob thing. The books are open and you're in, you're in the part of the family, um, you know, and then another book was open, which is the book of life. The, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And if your name's not found in the book yeah. of life, you know, you're thrown into lake of fire. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it sounds to me yeah. like there might be, a few things going on. Um, so, so, yes. here's, so here's my question. First, 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 the simple question. Let's, let's focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all have a record. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so let me back up. Let me backtrack. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Let's, let me use your uh, penal code example, your justice system example. Okay. So the Bible mm-hmm. talks about, you know, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, that if you sin, uh, if you're guilty of one sin, then you're guilty of them all. Yes. So yes. if I am speeding and I get a ticket, okay, my fine is probably just a few bucks depending on how fast I was going and what I was doing. If it's just a legitimate speeding, no DUI, no reckless driving, just, oh, I'm going 50 and a 35, I get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Now, other people, they murder, mass murderers end up, you know, maybe on death row, death penalty or something like that. So two very different crimes, so to speak, right. with two very right. different significant things, uh, consequences. Okay. Yeah. But according to the Bible, the speeding ticket is just as guilty and worthy of the same punishment as the people that are the mass murderers. Well, maybe not the same punishment, Son, but I mean, certainly the same punishment in terms of the same destination. Yeah, same you destination. Know, think of it in that case, Son. Maybe think of those two people going to, let's say, the same prison, but but let's say the one who who had more offenses, they're in a in a tougher part of the prison, let's say. Uh, but but both but both of them are not not happy to be where they're at. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we understand that. Um, People that are guilty, they're going to be judged according to whatever they've done. But then yeah, there's also yeah. been some conversation that I've had throughout the years, you know, uh-huh. and for people that might be new, you know, for me, you know, Dan's a pastor, so obviously he's been in the, right. in the church forever. Right. You know, I grew up in the church. I've been to many different uh, congregations. I've been a part of many different uh, denominations. Um, right, and so right. I've, I've been kind of exposed to, you know, different thinkings, and I've had to kind of come up with my own thoughts 
because, you know, the Baptists believe one thing, the Lutherans might believe something a little different uh, when it comes to some right. of these, you know, more secondary and tertiary things. You know, we all agree the same right. thing about right. salvation. But when it comes to these other things, because mm-hmm. we don't know, because mm-hmm. when Revelations, I think it's after the third chapter, much of it is futuristic, I don't want to say dreams, but a futuristic vision John had. Vision, right, yeah. right. And, and so um, when you look at the book of life, Okay, so you have to be in the book of life in order to get into heaven. So what's going to be in that book? Is it just our name and no sin whatsoever? Is it going to be, you know, uh, because works don't matter. So even all the good things, they're not going to be in there. So is it just our name and that's it? Or what what's any any thoughts that you've studied that? Absolutely. It's on a great question. And that passage that you just referred to, and it's the one I quoted earlier, it's very interesting in there, Son, that it talks about the books, and then it talks about the book of life. So what I'd like to invite, um, you know, each one who's listening to our discussion here, I'd like to invite you, my friend, to just picture like on your, on your table there, um, a stack of books, you know, some thick books, but a stack of maybe, you know, let's say 10 books. And then um, to the right of those, a single book, a real thick book. Um, but one book. So you've got the stack of books and you've got the single book. Now the single book is the book of life. And it does appear, Son, that the book of life um, contains only the names of, of those who know the Lord. Um, if there's more in that, then, you know, God, God would say, know that, but um the book of life contains the names for sure at a minimum. Now, what is the, what do the books contain? Well, the books contain the deeds that have been done here on earth. And so for the person's son who is relying upon their deeds to get into heaven, when they stand before God, um, they will be judged based upon the deeds in the books. Now, however many good things they think they may have done, um, none of that will be able to compensate for all of the many bad things recorded in those books um, from their life. The the evil thoughts, the evil words, the evil behavior, um, and really every instance of those uh, when they've happened. And that's what will be used to judge them and to condemn them. Now, for you and I, son, and for every believer, because our name is in the book of life, because we are trusting in Christ to get us into heaven and his death on the cross and not our deeds, we will not be judged by um, the works. We will not be judged by uh, our deeds we will enter into heaven. Now, now there is another aspect to this, too, though, son, that the Bible talks about. Um, you know, there's a biblical distinction between gift and reward. Gift and reward. And a reward is something that you're given for what you do. Um, a gift, obviously, is, is just freely given. So I don't want to confuse people, but when we're talking about um, Christians and their works, Corinthians does talk about our work being tested with fire um, to see 
uh, of what kind of quality it is. Now, this is not to test our works on to see if we're getting into heaven, because our name's already in the book of life. We are getting into heaven. But the Bible does talk about a believer's works being tested with fire to see whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, or whether it's gold and silver and costly stones. In, in other words, things that we've done for the right motive, you know, for God's glory, not for our own glory, um, that would be like gold and silver. I mean, you know, I kind of picture it sound like walking through, like, say, an airport metal detector, and like, however the fire tests the works of us as believers, whatever was done with the wrong motive or, or was not pleasing to God, I mean, that'll all be burned up. But the Bible talks about, though, it goes on to say, son, that that individual, though, will nevertheless um, be saved. It says he himself will be saved, but only as one passing through the flames. Now, the reason he'll be saved, son, is not because of his works. He'll be saved because his name is in the book of life. But there will be a testing of our works that will have to do with then heavenly rewards. Um, again, the Bible in the New Testament, there's a distinction between gift and reward. Eternal life is a gift. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way to getting your name in the Lamb's book of life. Um, but, but there is a distinction between um, gift and reward. Now, the unbeliever there'll be no rewards um, because their name's not in the book of life. All they'll get is condemnation. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, Simon, with our podcast last week, did I give that little example of the family adopting the kids? Did I talk about that? Or was that, I mean, I know I did. I, I talked about that in our uh, Bible study this past week on Wednesday night, but I'd be happy to just quickly yeah, share that unless just, that was something. Yeah, if you can just yeah. kind of review, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's what it's like, Simon. So um, let's say you have um, let's say you have a Christian uh, a Christian couple, and they decide that they're going to adopt five children from the local orphanage, and so they've adopted these children. They're now part of their family, and they couldn't. You know, there were other kids at the orphanage, but these were the five that they adopted. So. They tell their kids now, um, hey, we're going to go to the zoo this Saturday. And we're all going to go. And, boy, it's just so great to have you in our family and and um, can't wait to go. But here's something we want you to know. If you will treat your siblings with respect and kindness this week, if you will do your chores this week, if you will live this week in a way that doesn't seek to just, you know, make yourself look great, but instead you seek to serve others in your family and elsewhere. Um, you're going to get some bonuses uh, on Saturday. Uh, you'll get a, you'll get a snow cone and you'll get popcorn and you'll get an ice cream cone. Maybe you'll get, uh, uh, we're going to go to the IMAX theater. If you, if you get, you know, if you do the right thing this week, now, otherwise we'll just go to the zoo and enjoy the animals, but there will be these, these bonuses. So the kids hear that and they work all week and, and, I tell you, by the end of the week, son, all five of them had done a great job. And uh, they all were going to be getting some bonuses because of the way they treated one another and, uh, and the way and their kindness and everything. So Saturday morning comes and they're starting to back their car out of the driveway, mom and dad and the five kids. And lo and behold, the kids say, hey, look who's coming down the street. And it's three other children from the orphanage that these kids, of course, know from their time there. 
And so the kids walk up to the car and they got smiles on their face. They're like, oh, we're so excited. You know, we heard about the trip to the zoo today. We couldn't wait to get here. Man, we can't wait to go. And, and, and so, you know, the van is full and it just wasn't going to, it wouldn't be, you know, a situation where they could really take some more kids that day. So you kind of have to have the awkward discussion about how, well, you know, really what we said, I mean, this was really only being offered to those in our family. That's who was promised they were going to go to the zoo. And, 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 and the kids say, well, what about the, the, the other orphans say, what about the ice cream cone and all that? We want that. Well, those were actually, you know, only going to be given to those who are already in the family based on their behavior. So there's that awkward discussion that not only are they not going to get the ice cream cone and the popcorn, but they're not even going to get to go to the zoo. So now in that little story song, the three orphans who come down the street represent the unbelievers who are not in God's family. Okay. It represents unbelievers. The only way to get into God's family is through adoption uh, or, or being born, born into the family, which is the same thing. Um, you know, when Jesus said, you must be born again, it uses both images in the Bible that we've been adopted in the family. We've been born into the family, you know, in a, bio, in a, in a family, you know, you're either, you know, biologically, you know, born into it or you're adopted in. Um, so for the Christian, that's, that's coming to faith in Christ. Now, heaven, the, the zoo represents heaven. We're going to go to heaven because our names are in the book of life. Um, just like those kids, even if they had not treated their, their siblings very nicely, they still would have gotten to go to the zoo because they were part of the family. They maybe just wouldn't have had the same reward. Um, and, and, and so the, the believer is represented by the kids who are in the family. And then, for example, when the Bible says, blessed are you and men persecute you, uh, for great is your reward in heaven. So what will that reward be in heaven for a Christian who's persecuted? Um, well, that's whatever God, you know, decides that will be. I mean, really, there's no greater reward in heaven than being with Jesus. No one in heaven, son, will be um, jealous of somebody else's reward, uh, will be jealous of someone else. But just as there will be levels of punishment in hell and degrees of punishment, Jesus talked about heavenly rewards, but it's very, very, I'll say this, son. I mean, and I said this in Bible study. I mean, I never think about, oh, well, I'm doing this, I'm going to get a reward in heaven. I mean, I think most Christians, I mean, you don't think of it that way. You just do it because Christ gave his life for you. Um, there is a reason, though, son, that God put that in the Bible. I mean, I know, humanly speaking, we think, well, boy, wouldn't that kind of maybe compromise a person's motives? Well, Ask God about that, because he's the one who decided to put it in his word. He's the one who decided to say, great is your reward when you do this, when you do that. I don't know what that's going to mean, son. Some have said, you know, maybe it's like a, a greater capacity to enjoy certain things in heaven. I mean, I don't know what that reward will be. All I know is all of us who are going to heaven, our greatest joy will be that we're in God's presence um, and, and that we're with the Lord forever. But, but, but there has to be a meaning to, to all the times the New Testament uses the word reward and the times it uses gift. And it's very, very clear. You read, read Corinthians there when the works are tested by fire. It's very clear, Son, that we're talking about two different things. We're talking about kids in the family who've been adopted in, born in, like the five kids. And then we're talking about those bonus things that, hey, God's the one that put that in the Bible. 
Um, so anybody who wants to take an issue with that, say, well, I, I don't think you should do it for that. Fine, don't do it for that. I mean, you know, don't think about that. I mean, that's fine. Don't ever think about a reward. I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. Um, and, and I'll tell you something. I suspect that if we were in one of these countries where there was severe persecution, I was just reading this week about a man who, um, he, was a, he was a Muslim who came to know the Lord and, Oh my goodness, the way he was treated by his family and the things he went through. But, but I mean, I'm just saying, son, maybe in that situation, um, perhaps the doctrine of heavenly rewards uh, means something more to people who don't have life as easy as we have it here in America. You know, maybe, I, you know, I, I'm just saying this is what the Bible teaches, but it is the gift of God that is eternal life um, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And anyone who tries to earn their way into heaven, um, you know, it'd be like those kids coming up the street and say, well, hey, uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll rake the leaves in your yard today. If we could just be in your family, uh, well, you got to be adopted in. You know, you got to be born in. Obviously, those kids don't know what they be adopted in. Um, you can't earn your way into God's family. So does that analogy, does, feel free to, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on or if you have any things that you think might make that clear or points of clarification or well, um, let, let what, put, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, let me put it this way. Okay, first off, let me set my analogy, okay? Then I'll explain yeah. why. Okay, so you're yeah. ta- you're ca- you're talking about like you know when it comes to the penal system, you know you go to prison and the experience in prison might be different for different people depending on their circumstance. But you're still going yeah. to a, a nasty place, and we're not talking yeah. about like uh, an American prison. Like you said, you're talking about the worst right. of the worst of the worst. Okay, right? Uh, um, what's probably survival of the fittest? We have to probably fight over your food. In fact, there was a there was a show. One time, I don't want to get too distracted, but there was a show on TV that was, you know, the world's worst prisons. Okay, obviously it was TV, so yeah, take that for what's right. worth. I think I've seen something like that. Yeah. Yeah. but or or locked up abroad, you know, and and you yeah, have these stories yeah. where people are relaying right. their story, and I mean it's it's pretty bad stuff that people have gotten into, especially like in exactly. Thailand and some of these places. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, on the okay, so you have that, but on heaven, it sounds like there's something similar. Like, if you go to, let's say, Bali on vacation, depending on your experience mm-hmm. and what you mm-hmm. do and how you do it, you're still in paradise, you're still on vacation, you're still having fun, you're still having the best of times, but, to, but depending on yeah. your situation experience, your experience of paradise is going to be different. That might be what... Well, what, what perhaps, what, I mean, I was yeah. saying, that might be... Yeah. Because, because here's the verse, okay? So, in uh, mm-hmm. Matthew 5.11, when Jesus mm-hmm. uh, talks about, you know, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all yes. manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then it falls yes. up in verse 12. Um, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted yes. they the prophets which were before you. So there he's talking about a reward. So the eternal life, like you said, is the free gift of God is That's eternal right. life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So yeah, there might be circumstances going on. I mean, you think about, you know, the disciples and what they went through and, and how they were persecuted and how they were martyred. And, you know, yeah. we here in America, you know, we might think we're persecuted and we might have some tough times. But there's, you know, people that have actually given their life for Christ today in a foreign country standing up for their beliefs. Yes. You know, well, that, that's that's right. Son. And, you know, I'm reminded of a, of a passage in Hebrews where it, it talks about those who live by faith and some were, uh, you know, they were, they were cut in two and they were hiding in, in caves and in holes of the, in the ground. And, 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 but, but then there's this interesting verse there, son, where it says, 
You know, others were, were tortured and they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Now, now that doesn't make any sense at all unless somehow their, their, um, their experience of heaven, unless somehow their, their experience of heaven is, is going to be, they, they felt would be better, um, you know, by, by going through more suffering, you know, I, you know, that, that is such a, um, really, I would say such a rare type of situation, but again, it's in the Bible. Um, why would they refuse to be released? I mean, here they're being tortured, but it says so that they might gain a better resurrection. I mean, not that they were like sadists that they were going out, you know, looking for pain, but here they were suffering for the Lord. You know, it's almost like those in the, in the book of Acts, son, who, when they were persecuted, they, they began to rejoice because they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of God. Now, um, you know, the bottom line is, the verse you just read, I mean, the Lord says, great is your reward in heaven when this happens. So it doesn't mean that, like, let's say the thief on the cross who got in at the last minute, and he said, um, you know, uh, you know, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you know, today you'll be, 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 with, be with me in paradise. I have no doubt, son, that that thief on the cross, his paradise will be so incredible that he will never once have a thought, man, I wish I had somebody else's, you know, experience here in heaven. So there won't be an ounce of jealousy or coveting or anything in heaven. But um, if, let's say, the missionary who has endured persecution for decades uh, under tremendous persecution and if you were to say to me, well, I think these verses are saying that maybe God has a bonus uh, for that missionary for what he or she went through. And, they, you know, Jesus said, if you give up everything, you know, um, you know, father, mother, um, you know, wife, children, you know, I mean, Jesus talked about when you give up things. And, and like, for example, that, that, that Muslim man who was converted, he had to make a choice. Was he going to please his father and mother? Was he going to please his siblings? His father tried to kill him. Um, he survived, but um, he had to basically essentially give up his family to follow Christ. Not because he wanted to give them up, but he loved Jesus more, and he was willing to follow Christ even though he knew that they would most likely um, disown him. So uh, I don't have a hard time at all seeing in those verses that God, in his, in his wisdom— is going to have uh, special rewards for those who have endured, um, you know, extreme persecution and suffering. And again, it doesn't mean it won't be great for all of us in heaven, but I do believe that's how we can come to terms with this difference in the Bible between reward and gift. And by the way, son, the, the groups like the cults, like, for example, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that, that their works are earning them heaven and that heaven will be their reward for what they've done. And because they're trying to earn it, what's going to happen, Son, is, is that unless they trust in Jesus, um, unless they trust in Christ um, before they die, um, they will be judged by what's in the books. Because, you know, the, the, all of those times they went knocking on doors, Okay, great. That's in the books. But you know what else is in the books? 
all the other all the other things, including all of their sins. And you could knock on a thousand doors and it would not even wash away one of your sins. You could combine a million the the, the, the deeds of a million Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, or let's take other groups like Catholics or Lutherans or Methodists. You could combine a million good works of any one of those people or those groups, and it would not wash away a single sin. So if we're going to talk about gift and rewards, um, we have to make sure we're, we're, we, we distinguish between those in the family and those who are not yet in the family. And the doctrine of the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses does not lead people into the family of God. It leads them away from that. Oh, but they're called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes, and they're teaching their people to earn, try to earn their way to heaven. They're not giving them the assurance of salvation. And you ask someone, uh, I mean, they're not bigger sinners than you or I, but you ask someone in one of those groups, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Just listen to their answer. You know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear what they're doing, what they're doing. Now, we as Christians talk about at times what we're doing, but here's one thing we know. We, uh, a gift is a gift, and we did not earn heaven. And you cannot earn heaven. And if you try to earn heaven, you lose it. And then your name is not in the book of life, and you're thrown into the lake of fire, as extreme as that sounds. Um, but that's all we've got, son, is the Bible. But that's more than enough. You know, we, we can't base this on emotion. We can't base this on opinion. Um, God in his love has given us his love letter. It is perfect. It is awesome. It is wonderful. It is true. And without it, we would have no clue about any of this stuff. But, um, hey, um, thank the Lord that uh, he has he's given us his, his son, given us his grace. I think, Dan, too, we can take trust in the fact that, you know, God, the author and creator of us, is going to be just and merciful to dole out the reward according to his design. Um, and yeah. that we don't have to worry about that because you think of Ephesians 4, I believe it is, um, when he talks about, you know, um, to some he gave to be apostles and prophets, uh, you know, was it teachers, preachers, you know, evangelists, you know, some are called right. to go overseas. Some are called to stay home. Uh, you know, God has a yeah. design and a plan. And so we just have to make yeah. sure that we follow God's plan because he has our path right. laid out for us. And so it does still go beyond us. God's in control of it all. And so we don't really have to worry about it. Cause I know we touched on some pretty meaty stuff and in in-depth stuff here today, but when it comes back yeah. to it, God has our plan. God always has, has a plan out. All we have to do is follow that plan. And if we do, we stay faithful to him in the end, he will give unto us what his plan was already. And that is, you know, life with him in eternity, which is uh, going to be a glorious life, like you said, no matter what we're doing. And then the, alter right. the alternative is going to be miserable, no matter what we're doing there either. So it basically comes down to absolutely two choices. You know, because like I said, we talked about a lot of different things, but it basically comes down to two choices. Do you mm -hmm. want to go to a place that's, you know, heaven? Or do you want to go to a place that's yeah. hell? Fire and brimstone right. or eternity in glory with our Lord and Savior and creator, Jesus Christ. And that's the choice that we have to make. Um, and here's what Jesus said, son. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked Martha, do you believe this? And that would be the question, son, that he asked us today, that he asked everyone listening to this, to this podcast today. Do you believe this? And my friend, if you don't yet believe it, you can. You can come to Christ today. You can repent and believe the good news. 
um, and and the Holy Spirit will will help you um, as um, you know as you as you just give your heart to the Lord and and trust Him today, and um, and so I just really encourage you, my friend, to do that. So, how might one do that? If you can kind of maybe just share, well, you know, hey, for so those I, that for those that might be listening and be like, you know, I'm really want to know how can I do that? I mean, you know, to us, it might be simple because, you know, we grew up in the church, we know about it or whatever, but there might be some people out there that are listening and be like, well, what does that even mean? Like, how can I become a Christian? How can I follow Christ? It's very simple. It's very simple. Um, I would just invite anyone listening song. um, Just think of it like a gift. Okay. Um, The reason it's so easy to obtain salvation is because it costs God so much. It it costs God so much. And, And today, if you will, um, just simply receive Christ by faith and put your faith in the Lord. Um, just believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You can be saved and you will be saved today. Um, just just turn away from sin. Um, trust Jesus to forgive you. And and you will receive that gift of eternal life right now uh, in Jesus' name. It's that simple, my friend. It's a gift. Um, God earned it for you. Now just simply trust in him and and receive it by faith. And, and just, just say something like this to the Lord. Say, uh, wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. You know, that's a statement of faith right there. Just ask Jesus. Just say, wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. Um, and he'll do it. Just believe that he shed his blood for you, and he will do it, my friend. And, uh, oh, you'll be so glad you did. The one sentence that can change your life. Uh, Dan, yes. thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, as always. And, uh you know, I know it's kind of a meaty topic today, but I think it was something that, you know, we need to delve into because it is a seriousness to this. You know, people just kind of view the afterlife as, afterlife as flippant and they don't really consider the ramifications of what they do in this life here. And so I just appreciate your thoughts and, uh, and giving us your insights into uh, this topic uh, here today. Oh, son, it's totally my pleasure. And thank you so much, son. I just love these visits that we have. I love your ministry. Uh, this podcast is just incredible. Um, all the different topics that you uh, that you cover. So thank you for letting me uh, come along for the ride again today. It was a wonderful discussion, and and uh, I look forward to our next our next time together. Dan Delzell, he's a pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. He also is an author of many articles at thechristianpost.com. You can just go to thechristianpost.com and search his name, and all his articles pop up. Uh, my name is Son Edom. You can find me, um, I guess, on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And there's a link in the bio with all kinds of things and a place to reach out. So, um, again, thanks for being with us here on this uh, episode. We look forward to it uh, next time. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.